Recorded live. Good evening out there, all my people in Radio Land. It's Wednesday night. It's 8 o'clock. And you know what that means. It's time for another wonderful voyage with Raider Rome and Josh Matson here on the NGSC West Recess. We here out here in the West, we are the most underrepresented of the lot. You know our games, they start a little bit later at night. People think our football is kind of finesse, but that's not the case at all. We're just faster and much better than you. And that's what Josh and I are here for, to go on and fight that West Coast bias one show at a time so to lay it out so that you guys know what's going on over here in the West Coast. And like I said before, there is, I'm, I should need no introduction now the world over. Your main man, Jerome Butler, a.k.a. Raider Rome, a.k.a. my little brother's big brother and the last king of Raider Nation there. And as you all know by this point, fighting that West Coast bias, it could never be a one-man operation. You know, I, I couldn't do it just justice alone. So I'd like to introduce to you the only man that I do trust in this operation, my my main man, my brother, Joshua Matson. How you feeling over there tonight, Josh? Oh, I'm good, Jerome. Uh, I'm looking forward to the show. It's always a pleasure to do it with you. So um, let's get the show on the road, I say. Oh, most definitely. Let's go on and knock that out here. Man, we had ourselves a pretty interesting race last week in Kentucky, didn't we? I mean, you told yeah. me about Joey Logano and guys like that. Kyle Busch pretty much dominated that race from about the halfway point on. Your thoughts on that race? Uh, a little surprising. I, I, Kyle Busch runs good at, at those type of tracks, so I guess it's not all that surprising. He he runs good everywhere, to be honest. But um, Brad Keselowski has normally run really good there, so I was kind of expecting him to win it. But Kyle Busch is the man. He, he got it done, so – that's good for him. He's got two wins. He still needs to get in the top 36 to make the chase, which he's still about 100 points back. So he'll need to get um, he'll need to con- continue to run up front, or else he won't he won't make the chase. Uh, unfortunately, even if he wins the next two races or something. So um, a little bit of luck he needs to get in the chase. I think I think he can do it. I think he's running good enough. Um, he can't wreck. He can't. He can't get any. He can't miss. You know, get bad points in any race. He needs to run out front pretty much the remainder of the year, or remainder of the you know last few races before the chase starts. So we'll see. Um, other than that, uh, the next race is Loudon. Um, Denny Hamlin is probably one of the favorites there. He runs good there always. Uh, Dale Jr. runs pretty good there. Uh, Casey Kane even won a, won a race there about two years ago. So it's a, I think it's a Denny Hamlin race. He, he's definitely one of the guys that runs really well there. So that's probably my, that'd be my prediction for the race for this weekend. Uh, yeah, anyway, well, I like, I like Loudon. So. Yeah, I might have to go ahead and take your advice there then, Josh. I mean, I didn't do too well last week in that race. I only had two teams make some money as far as DraftKings go. So hopefully it goes a little bit better this week. So tell all the wonderful people out there in Radio Land where they can find this race and what time there are. Um, <laughs> hold on. Uh, it is at um, 1.45 p.m. Eastern on NBC, NBC Sports Network. I know a lot of people probably don't have that network unless you – I mean, I'm sure some do, but I know that not everyone has it. But that's where it is um, at 1.45 p.m. Eastern. So it, it's a quick race, Loudon. So that race probably be done in about two and a half hours, I'd say, unless there's a lot of caution. But on that, it's a pretty quick race. Man, I, you know what I really hate, though, about NASCAR, Josh, and I, I'm really starting to get into it. The cautions are yeah. annoying as hell, and those commercials in the middle of racing, it's like, why are you doing this? You know, that's crazy to me. Yeah, well, the one thing I'll say about NBC taking over coverage is it's been a hell of a lot better than than it was with Fox. Because I don't know if you – I think you watched a couple of the Fox. It was terrible. They just go to commercial every every 10 minutes or, you know, 8, 10 minutes. Um, NBC has done a lot better versus uh, Fox coverage. So I'm happy with NBC's coverage of the races now. Well, I mean, I don't really care what network the race is on as long as I'm winning money on it. They can put it on PBS for all out here as long as money is going in 
going to Mr. Um, Jerome, you know? I hear you on that, for sure. Hell, that was our weekly NBC. Uh, that was our weekly NASCAR beat there. <laughs> our <laughs> NBC. NBC. <laughs> yeah. um, no, that, that, that's probably in a couple months when they when we start talking about West Coast games on Sunday night football here. But time go. to move on to something that we can all agree on: wide receivers getting paid today, and that that collusion thing. It does seem like it kind of had some legs to it. I mean, look at Des Bryant and Demarius Thomas, pretty much getting almost the same contract there. But I guess the good thing is both of those cats got paid, so they should be pretty happy, and we don't have to hear them whining and moaning about money any longer. Your thought, your thoughts on these deals? I, that, uh, my thoughts are they got what they wanted, and that's good. Um, I don't know what the whole situation, the collusion, I guess that's pretty much, I, I would imagine it's pretty much done with, uh, unless the NFL, you know, the NFL does what they want with their rules. So who knows? But I, I think the collusion, they'll probably just brush that under their table. Uh, I'm happy for Des Bryant and Demarius Thomas. They got the money that they wanted. Um, it's probably nice to be, you know, uh, a millionaire, <laughs> um, making tons of money and being one of the highest paid wide receivers in the NFL. So it's a good deal for them. Uh, I And then Justin Houston also had a good contract today too. So we can't forget about him. And uh, the only guy, uh, JPP, didn't get a contract, which was, uh, I wonder how much that has to do with his his fireworks accident. But, yeah, so some good deals in the NFL, and they all they certainly waited to the bitter end to get them done. Yeah, yeah, that's a huge deal. He definitely got paid. bad bow joke, but, yeah. Yeah, Justin Houston, yeah, he got his too. And I guess with him being a West Coaster, we, we should go on and mention that. So, yeah, 100, 100 million bucks, I mean, damn, let's just hope that when he comes to play Oakland, he leaves a couple of them sacks at home now that he got that money, you dig? <laughs> yeah, uh, it would be good for the – hopefully he uh, takes the year off now that he goes contract for the Raiders. Yeah, but I ain't worried about it. My boy DC Ford, we're gonna throw the ball all over KC head, Denver, San Diego, whoever. But that's oh, another yeah. story. Super Bowl, that's another Super Bowl. <laughs> Go yeah, ahead. That's another that's another story for another day. I don't wanna get all jacked up and start drinking my Raider Kool Aid. You know, it's still early, got a couple more weeks to this here training camp. But yeah, it's getting close and I'm getting pretty excited there. You you dig? <laughs> I dig. <laughs> all right, right on. So, anything going on there with Brady and his um, suspension yet? We no news. You know, I really haven't heard anything about it. Uh, I do know. Uh, well, I heard rumors that it was going to be this week, but I'm not really all that optimistic that it's going to be this week. Um, I do. Oh, the one thing that did come out today is that <laughs> the NFL Players Association said they will, if Brady's suspension is not rescinded, he will. They will sue the NFL and it'll bring it to federal court. So that's the one news out of that whole whole story. But other than that, there is no real news um, to report on it. It's nothing's happened yet. So we'll see. Yep. Ain't nothing going on with the boys yet. And over here, San Diego, we had some issues there with San Diego Stadium. They tried, the city tried to take out some money there to try to like put it to a vote to like get closer. They, like, took some environmental money out, I guess, to try to see what's going on with building, getting some land to build a stadium. And San Diego actually told them there was a waste of money. So I don't I don't try not to make too much of this, but it's kind of looking like the writing on the wall is getting close in San Diego. They, the city takes out environmental money, and the team doesn't even want it. So I'd have to say it's looking pretty bad out there for as far as keeping the charges past 2015. Did you hear anything about that, Justin? Well, no, I haven't heard anything. I did hear something about that environmental thing that you had mentioned, though, uh, actually about a week ago, I think. And and uh, we'll see. I, I haven't heard anything recently, so I, I honestly can't speak to it, other than the fact that I, I've, I've thought for a while the Chargers probably um, are ready to move on. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm, sure, I'm still holding out hope that the Chargers can get some 11th-hour deal done out there pretty much paving the way for the Raiders and the Rams to come back in 2016. Because I think if San Diego wants to come to L.A., 
they'll probably have a better chance of it over the Raiders. But that that's just my opinion. Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, oh, sorry, you caught me off guard. Yeah, the Chargers will probably be going to L.A. Well, you know, <laughs> I guess we should wait and see. I don't know. Yeah, we're, we're getting close. We're getting closer to finding out the answers to these questions and everything that we want to know here. And pretty much here, that was our, pretty, our news and notes segment so far. And we got ourselves a pretty um, good guest tonight. You'll like him. I mean, if you like if you like Chicago sports and you like um, teams from Michigan, I mean, I don't personally, but it's always good to learn <laughs> new things and new regions. So we'll have that going on for you a little bit later here. And since we're talking about teams in the West Coast here from San Diego and things like that, I guess we'll go ahead and talk about a team, a college team that's actually not too far from there. We go, we'll begin here in the Pac-12 with the Arizona State Sun Devils here. They went 10-3 and last season, 6-3, and finishing second in the Pac-12 South. Their, their offense was kind of middle of the road, 56, against, 56 in running the football, 33rd passing the ball, 34th total offense. Defense, not too bad, 49th against the run, 99th against the pass, kind of toward the bottom, but it could be worse, and they finished 80th on defense. They open up with a big opener here, taking on Texas A&M right off the top. So that's going to be a tough one. If Arizona State's going to be the team that they think they can be, they're going to have to take that one. They get a couple of breathers after that with Cal Poly in New Mexico. I mean, even I think we could sleep through those. <laughs> September 26th is their first real test. It's the first of two games with the California powerhouses. They host SC, then they travel out to Pasadena to take on UCLA afterwards. And after those two games, we'll get more of an idea of where Arizona State is as far as their viability in the Pac-12 South. They get an easy one with Colorado. Then after that, they get a couple more tough ones, a trip out to Salt Lake City to take on Utah. Then October 29th, they get the number two Oregon Ducks coming into Tempe. That ought to be interesting. Then they close out with a pretty interesting November. They should be favored in all of these games here, a trip to Pullman to take on Washington State. Then they host Washington, and they close it out with the rival Arizona and a trip to Cal Berkeley. Arizona State, they've won 20 games over the past two seasons under Ty Graham. And it's expected that they will be in contention for the Pac-12 South title, as we've said. At quarterback, they're led by Mike Berkovici, who is an accurate passer who can read defense as well for someone his age. Their running game will be called upon often, and has a few backs who can get the job done, mainly DeMario Richard. You have two-way player Kalen Ballard, and you have speedster Gump Hayes. They're all capable of doing damage. At wide receiver, however, ASU has been decimated with Jalen Strong going to the NFL and Cam Smith sideline the entire season after a knee surgery. DJ Foster, who is now a full-time slot receiver after splitting time between tailback and wide receiver over the last three seasons, he'll be Berkovici's number one guy going into the season. On the offensive line, ASU is taking a big hit as they need to replace both of their starting tackles. On defense, however, they aren't as depleted as they are talent-wise on offense, their main losses being Marcus Hardison and safety Demarius Randall, who was a first-round draft pick this season. Their linebacker group is talented, and it can be thought of as among the best in the Pac-12. Sophomore Christian Sam, hopefully no relation to Michael, but we won't get into the politics here. <laughs> and DJ Calhoun, they're expected to be big-time playmakers. Out there in the secondary, ASU has a lot of returning starters who could show much improvement from last season, James Johnson being the key piece to replace um, Randall. The ASU defense is probably their weakest group as their defensive front. They have no real dominant presence in this group. However, though, many are optimistic that Devon Durant could be disruptive enough to keep teams on their toes. And staring at their schedule here, I'll have to say there are a few bumpy roads here, tough, tough straights here, a couple of winnable games. But if they can somehow knock off, say, Utah, USC, and hope, God forbid, they don't beat UCLA. But if they do, Arizona State could be potentially a 9-3, 10-2 team and get that Pac-12 South Championship, which would get them a showdown with Oregon. But I'm going to be more realistic here and look at ASU as more of an A and four to eight and four nine and three type type of team. They, they're building something special out there under Ty Graham. I mean, look for 2016 for them to really take off. So, your thoughts on ASU, Josh? How you feeling them? Oh, uh, Arizona State's a weird team to me. They they have some really good games and they're they're just an average team to me. But they are definitely a, a team that is going to compete in the South for sure. 
Uh, I know I saw in Bovada their over-under for wins is 8.5, so they're anywhere from 8 to 9 win team, I would imagine. I think you said 8, and I think that's pretty much what I would say, too. They're they're going to struggle to beat teams like Oregon and USC and UCLA. I think those are teams that they'll probably pull off an upset against one of those three teams. I would have most likely UCLA or USC, I would have, I would think. Oh, you're fired, Josh. This second week in a row, I got fired, man. <laughs> but anyway, for real, though, uh, they'll probably pull off an upset. So we'll see. Uh, I think that they're an eight. Yeah, I, I'd say probably an eight-win team, too, like you. Um, okay. Guess four just said they dominate California team. Um, I'm going to be um, about as nice as this is. Guess four, do you remember having a coach named Dirk Cutter as your head coach about a few years back that actually went 0 and say 15 or 16 against teams from the state of California? Yeah, we won't go there, though. But ASU should have a decent season, though. I, I say nine wins. <laughs> there you go, nine wins. <laughs> yep. And since you're, and since you're, you're, you're a military kind of guy, Josh, you know, I mean, yeah. I, I, I know that you used to do your thing out there. And to honor you and honor you in your service, we'll allow you to make the breakdown of our next team here, the Air Force Falcons. So take us in the Air Force and how you feel they should do this season. Sure. Uh, Air Force last year was 10-3, and which was a huge improvement from 2013 where they only won two games. So that in itself is amazing. Uh, they were seventh in rushing, and that's a lot contributed to their triple option uh, running attack, of course. Uh, 116th passing on offense. Obviously, Air Force doesn't pass all that often, so that's not all that shocking to anyone. On defense against the rush, they were 26, and against the pass, they were 98. Overall combined, 61st on defense in the country and 52nd on offense. They open up the season against Morgan State, which should almost be a blowout. They play San Jose State. Tough game against Michigan State. Then they take on Navy, Wyoming, and Colorado State. Colorado State is a team they upset last year, so Colorado State's going to be looking for revenge. Fresno State, Hawaii, and then Army on November 7th. So that will be another rivalry game, military rivalry game. So they have got two on the schedule. Utah State, then they end the season against Boise State on the 20th, and then New Mexico to end it all. Um, Boise State's not going to be a tough it's not going to be an easy, easy game for them at all. Um, like I said, in 2013, they only won two games. Last year, they won 10. So that's an amazing turnaround. They even went to the Idaho Potato Bowl, and they beat Western Michigan. At quarterback this season, uh, they're going to call upon Nate Romine. He spent the majority of last season on the bench. But he definitely got some playing time last year. And like I said, against Colorado State, he put together one of the best games for it an Air Force quarterback in quite a while and pulled off the upset. Um, he's a rare type of QB for the Air Force team because he's actually not a great runner. He is a much better passer than he is a runner. So he's not the typical mold that Air Force has um, used that quarterback. So that's, that, that's the interesting part with him is he's not a good runner, but he definitely knows how to run the triple option. So that, that's an advantage for him. Uh, at the back position, the Falcons are obviously deep. They have B.J. Johnson and Shane Davern, who are big, big physical physical blockers, and they can also carry the ball pretty well. Um, Jacoby Owens, he ran for over 1,000 yards last year. My issue with Owens after watching him is he he um, he doesn't run for the hole. He, he takes runs that he turns five-yard uh, or eight-yard runs into, like, five-yard runs because he he is too busy dancing, not going forward. So that's my issue with him. But he'll get over 1,000 yards almost certainly this year. Um, Air Force is actually really talented at wide receiver, especially with Jalen Robinette and, and Garrett Brown. Both of them are really good blockers, but Robinette is a really good receiver, too. He catches almost everything thrown his way. So he definitely – um, has talent, and a lot of people are actually um, watching him this year to see, you know, what his pro capabilities are as far as um, NFL capability. Um, he's definitely a good blocker. I, 
I think they probably want to see more of him catching the ball, though. Offensive line, Falcons are definitely making a lot of changes, but they are – they're a team that's always been able to, you know, replace offensive linemen, like, no problem. It's never been an issue for them. So not many people are worried about their offensive line. On defense, they went from giving up 40 yards a game in 2013 to 24.2 last year, which was a, obviously a huge step for Air Force. But this offseason, they lost seven of their starters. So it's it's basically they're starting over. Alex Hansen is probably their best defensive end. He is definitely physical, and he can get after the quarterback. But he's not he's not impressive by any means, but he is definitely their best defensive end. At linebacker, the Falcons will be calling upon uh, Patrick and Connor Hitt, uh, Healy, both of them, their brothers. Um, they're going to be the starters, and they're going to be playing quite a bit. Strong safety, Air Force. Um, Weston Steelhammer is their best um, strong safety. He is a ball hawk. He's definitely, wherever the ball is, that's where he is, and he loves to, he loves to you know, get flagged for personal fouls because he likes to lay people out. So um, that's his his thing. Uh, Air Force is a team. I think they're going to, they're going to regress this year. I don't think they're 10 wins this year. I think they've lost too much on defense. In fact, I would probably say they're going to be a seven win team based off their schedule and the losses on defense this off season. So what are your opinions on Air Force, Drum? Well, my opinion is from actually looking at this, hell, I wish I had somebody named Weston Steelhammer up in Oakland, <laughs> that means that a guy that just sound like he's about to knock your ass out. So yeah, <laughs> pretty interesting name just off the top. But from where yeah, I it's a good name. Is, from looking at this, the Mountain West, it's always up and down. So, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Air Force did win ten games, so yeah, they're due to take a little bit of a step back. But I still see seven to eight wins here. Troy Calhoun and, and his um, triple option offense at Air Force, they're starting to pass it around a little bit more but mainly they still try to keep it on the ground. And it keeps a lot of um, opponents on their toes. Sure, they probably won't win the Commander-in-Chief's trophy. I still say Navy wins that. But Air Force, they can get eight wins and get into a decent bowl game. And that, that should be something that they should be happy with. Troy Calhoun, he'll never have another 2-10 and 10 type of um, nightmare like they had in 2013. So we'll, we'll go with eight wins for Air Force. Yeah, I'm, I I agree with that. It's, you know, anywhere seven, eight wins. I agree with you. We're not far apart on that for sure. Yep. And that's our that's our weekly look at college football. We'll have a couple more teams to take a look at next week. And we're getting close to the big boys in the Pac twelve, so keep your ears open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So did you get a chance to check out that All Star game um last night, Dusty? I watched a little bit of it. I actually saw Jacob DeGrom pitch, which was um uh, which was good. Uh in fact, he pitched amazing, and so that's my memory from last night's All-Star game. Yeah, my memory is both of my pitchers actually sat there and got lit up in that game. Rinky gives, <laughs> off, Rinky gives up the leadoff home run to Mike Trout. I mean, it's bad enough you give up a home run. You give up a home run to the best player on the rival team. So, I mean, that doesn't help matters either. That's crazy, you know. Then you get Kershaw in the fifth inning. I mean, but he he was kind of a, a victim of a bad call, though, I think. In the fifth inning, in my opinion, he struck out um, Pujols. They didn't give him the strikeout, and pretty much the floodgates opened at that point for him. But the American League, though, they have dominated this series um, over a while now, 10 out of 13. So it's looking like game one between the Dodgers and Angels will take place in Angel Stadium this season. We'll be ready for them. We'll, we'll take them out in, in six games. But Mike Trout, congratulations on being the MVP. That's two in a row. That guy, he's only going to get better and better and better. I just think he's on the wrong team out here in the West Coast, though. Your thoughts on the game, Josh? Well, um, as far as the game, to me, it's it's hard to judge. It's an all-star game that, you know, a lot of people are thrown out there. And, and my funniest takeaway from that is when I saw the Mike Moustakis interview and and they sent him up to hit against Roldis Chapman, and he's like, dang, uh <laughs> that's real, real good of you to send me up there against him. And he was throwing about 103 miles per hour and, <laughs> and he struck him out and he, and he was like, that's my all-star moment. Um, getting struck by Chapman. So, uh, he, he walked away with a really good memory from the all-star game. 
I guess the other thing is the ratings for the All-Star game were really bad. <laughs> so um, they've been baseball in general ratings haven't been great anyway. So it's sad that baseball, I don't know what they're doing wrong. Maybe it's, uh, they need to advertise better. I don't know, but the All-Star game ratings were lower than normal. And, and it's, I don't know, sad state for baseball in my opinion. They need to get. They need to do better, better advertising or something. Well, they can't blame me, Josh. I watched the first six innings of the game. That after after yeah. Ranky and Kershaw was done, I was done with it. You know. So yeah, no, I know about the ratings that, a little bit. Huh? Yeah, but that's. I think that's what most of us, nor casual baseball fans, do. Is we we look to see our play, the players we like when they play, and then stop. Watching. There's no reason to watch that whole game, in my opinion. Uh, when DeGrom pitched, that was it for me. I, there was nothing else to watch. So uh, that's how I feel on it. So. Yeah. And Goldsmith actually played pretty well yesterday, too. Um, I, I'm going to guess game, guess four here as an Arizona fan. So, yeah, he, he likes them Diamondbacks. So we'll throw a little kudos out there to Goldsmith. He did well. So did A.J. Pollock. So, I mean, the D-backs had themselves a couple of players out there. Yeah, and they're getting better. It'll be a couple of years, but hey, I, I think the the back they'll be ready to take over as soon as this Dodger dynasty ends. Whenever we decide to stop spending money, <laughs> Dodger dynasty needs needs to start first. They need to win a World Series and not let the Giants win one before you can call it a dynasty. <laughs> well, yeah, the Gi- well the Giants, yeah, they're doing it, but I'm not gonna say the rival is a dynasty, just like I can't say the New England Patriots is one. Well, the Giants, they do no, they I hear you. I hear you. I guess if there was, if, I guess if there was such a thing as a baseball dynasty this decade, it would be the Giants, you know. Yeah, no, for real, they're the, they are the dynasty right now, baseball, for sure. So that was that was a pretty interesting look there at the All Star game here, and we will be looking forward to a pretty interesting second half of the season there. The Dodgers and the Angels are in first place in this. At the, so that should be fun to watch out for to see if they can hold on to it and see if we actually finally get the freeway series. Yeah. I can do that. See if Gordon Speed can get his third major of the year. Uh, I lost you. Can you repeat what he said? <laughs> now, I was saying here, we got ourselves the British Open here. And what do you oh. think about Jordan Spieth's chances of getting the third major of the season? Uh, I think they're really good, especially with Rory McIlroy not being in the tournament. Uh, Spieth's definitely going to be one of the guys to be. Uh, the the other guy that I would mention is Ricky Fowler won the um, Scottish Open. He What I liked about what Fowler did is he went overseas the week before the British Open to to prepare himself for the, for the time zone change. And I, I think Spieth is going to regret not doing that. Do I think it's going to affect him? I don't know, but I, I like that Fowler did get prepared for the time zone change uh, a week or two prior. And he won the tournament, too, on top of it. And, like, obviously, Spieth won the – I forget the name of the term, but he won the most recent one in the United States and is going in with a win, too. So Fowler and Spieth are definitely two guys to watch. Matt Kuchar played good in the Scottish Open. Uh, obviously, Bubba Watson and and uh, Sergio Garcia hasn't missed a cut yet this year. There's a bunch of guys who could win this tournament, but I think everyone does think Spieth's going to win this. There's a lot of changes to the course. They they've redone the the uh, the <laughs> sand traps for that tournament, so all 50 of them re- redone. And and there's one of those sand traps on the 14th that's 10 feet deep. It's like it's pretty ridiculous. You you gotta be talented to get out of the. I couldn't get out of the sand trap. I I swear I'm. <laughs> I don't know how they do it, but they're good. But yeah. So to answer your question, Spieth's the guy to beat. But there are guys. There's a ton of good guys in the tournament that could win. Well, on 14, I mean, pretty much don't get caught in the sand if you 10 feet deep in it. I mean, I've I've never played golf before, but it looks like it would be hard as hell to get yourself out of a 10 foot sand trap. I mean, that's just natural science there. And to answer what you said, Guest 5, it would be nice if um, Tiger could shock the world and get himself one more major, but I'm not really feeling it myself. I'm going to have to go with either Prediction, Joshua. 
sorry. Say, uh, he, I lost you again. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> man, put down, put down that hot dog over there, Josh. I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, you're cutting out. I swear. <laughs> uh, my, my phone, my phone probably tripping or, or something. I don't know, man. But yeah, what All I was right. saying oh. was. Now, what I was saying, though, was that I think it would be nice if Tiger could get the win just to have one more major victory. But I'm going to have to go ahead and say my favorites are either Ricky Fowler or Jordan Spieth there, and I'd like to see either one win. It would be hard for me to make a prediction there. Who, who do you got Who you got for the win? Oh, well, as far as the answer to Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods, will be if he makes the cut, that would be an achievement for him, I think, to be honest. And that's that's nothing against him, but he's not playing good. So I don't think you should anyone should have high expectations for him. Uh, I think, you know, I think there's going to be a winner that's not somebody that we are expecting. To be honest, I think, I think somebody like Matt Kuchar or Sergio Garcia is going to win this tournament, or you know, um, maybe even like somebody like uh, Marco Mera who played good in the last uh, last. Uh, a major tournament. So, but I think everyone wants Spieth to win, um, to get his third on the year, which would be amazing. So, we'll see. I like Spieth, so if he wins, I'd be, I'd be happy with that. Yeah, you know what I'd like to see? I'd like yeah, to actually. You remember a guy named John Vanderbilt from like 1999, Josh? We'll see. I like Spieth, so if he wins, I'd be, I'd be happy. With that. What? What's going on? <laughs> Hey, Michigan, what's going on over there? Hey, what's up, Jerome? Yeah, not much. Sound like you got some interference going on in your background there. Yeah, I just muted it. He's back feeding into our our feet. Yeah, I just muted it. All right. Welcome, everybody. We'd like you all to meet Bears fan here in Michigan. He's going to lay out the signs for Chicago sports tonight. Say hello, everybody. Will you say hello, Bears, and you give everybody a little – um, taste of what you're going to bring to us tonight. Uh, I'll just be talking some uh, bulls and bears and whatever, cubs. You guys talk right. some baseball against some cubs. Hmm. Looking forward to it here. So I guess we should go on and get started here. Before we actually get started with your cubs, I'd like to know something. How do you? What do you think Jim Harbaugh is about to bring to your Michigan Wolverines as far as just a first season? Give us a prediction on that. Well, uh, he should be – he'll do better than what the previous couple coaches did. So, uh, he shows that he's play, uh, done very good coaching at Stanford and uh, with the Niners. So, uh, he should have them prepared, more prepared than they were before. Now, we have a kind of like a more younger team this season. So, uh, plus we have some experience and uh, – Coming back, like the uh, quarterback Shane Morris and uh, Jake Johnson, running back, and a couple wide receivers. So I'm hoping we have a winning record, but uh, you know, you never know. I'm hearing a lot of good things. So yeah, I'm re- I'm really looking forward to that first Michigan Ohio State game myself. You know, I mean, Urban Meyer is going to probably kick you guys' ass, but um, Jim, he's going to be just so wired up. That, I mean, that's going to be good enough for 14 points anyway. So at least for one half, that game yeah. should be interesting to watch for the first time in a few years, you know? Yeah, they got a kind of in, an interesting uh, schedule this season. They're starting out on the road first uh, against Utah, you know, uh, which can, you know, just go either way. Then plus uh, we open up a home game against uh, Oregon State. So they're kind of a tough team. Then we get uh, Maryland and BYU, and uh, then we open up the Big Ten season against Northwestern at home. Plus, we got Michigan State at home this season, and then Ohio State and Rutgers, and uh, then Ohio State, you know, to close out the Big Ten season. So, this will be tough. Tough yeah, you guys, Yeah, you guys got to pull it together over there. Sparty's starting to take over the state. Um, I'm not sure. No, Haven't they won like six of the last seven in that um, rivalry? Uh, Michigan State still has a long way to go. I mean, they they won against us lately, but you know, they're still the little sisters. 
<laughs> yeah, SP probably feel the same way about us. That's why we got to put the boot to him again this year. <laughs> but that, that's another story for another day there. You got anything you wanted to add to, to Michigan um, here, um, Josh? Well, I think uh, I, I think Ferris fan even kind of alluded to they got a ways to go before they're going to be uh, winning national titles, but they have a good step forward with Harbaugh, coach, I think. I think he can coach any college team to the promised land. I think it will require time, of course, but um, I don't necessarily know much about Michigan as a team right now. I, I haven't followed them, but I do know they're they're one of the, you know, favorites in the country and it would be great to see them be good enough to beat Ohio State eventually and so uh I don't know how far off they are. They're probably a couple of years away, but Harbaugh is definitely a guy who can get him get him winning games again. So I think it's a good hire and I think that oh. That's, yeah, that's I was just, I, oh, go ahead, Josh. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Go ahead, man. All right. I was just thinking about something, how back in the 90s, how Ohio State was always the more superior team. Michigan would find some way to defeat them. It'd be nice to see if they could probably pull something like that out of their behinds this year and just cook up a major upset that throws the whole playoff in the wax. So I'd definitely be rooting for that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, I think it would be great to – have a good rivalry be, between those two again. Oh yeah, most definitely. Mich- I think Michigan unraveled ever. When was you know when was the last time they were really good? At the Appalachian State game where they lost that. I think that's the that. No, I think much, they had, uh, I think they went to um the Sugar Bowl in either 2010 or 11. Like the Brady Holtz first year, he had like just a superhuman ass year or something, and they got to the Sugar Bowl. But after that, it just went downhill. Yeah, it's been a while. So uh, they're a team that I think would be good for college football to be good again. So that's my that's my opinion. Yeah, totally agreed. All right, well, let's move on here into some pro ball here. I know, I know you're excited about that new weapon you guys got over there, Bears. How do you feel about Kevin White, even though you know Amari Cooper is going to be the better receiver? But that's neither here nor there. Talk to us about the new kid. Uh, I think that Kevin White should be offensive rookie of the year. I'm I'm banking on that. Even though we got Cutler as a quarterback, you know he can he can have his games ups and downs. So, uh, but with the new offense, though, Adam Gaze, uh, I don't know. He's gotten a few offensive coaches, like almost every a different one every year. So, it's uh it'll be it's gonna be interesting to see how he develops with the offensive coordinator. But Kevin White should do good. He's got Alshon Jeffrey. So, and we got the we got the Black unicorn, I guess, Martellus Bennett. That's what he called himself. <laughs> so he, he got Forte, and then uh, you got Jacquees Rogers that we got from Atlanta. So he's got weapons there, you know. So it should be interesting to see how, how the Bells is the defense that I'm more curious about. Um, we got Antro Rolls. That was a good pickup that we had. And a uh, couple of lines, defensive linemen, so. We should be better than last year. Um, how much more better? I don't know. It's a mystery, but uh, hopefully we should have at least a winning team. Hopefully. Well, that beginning that of the schedule is pretty tough, though. But if Chicago yeah. can kind of survive that, because that first, that first six games is a, is a monster, but they should be all right. Yeah, we've got a tough division. Uh we know the Vikings are going to be more improved, and then the the Lions losing Sue was big. So, and there's always the Packers. So it's hopefully we can at least make the sniff out the wild card or wild card spot. I don't know. It all be it all depends on the defense, like I said. You know how they how they gel together. Yeah, because I mean that defense is going. It has a, it leaves a lot to be desired. Your offense it ain't too bad. But then again, when you take uh, Marshall away from any offense, though, it's going to kind of have a little bit of a growing um, period. But I think Chicago will be all right. They still should score about 20 points a game. Uh, plus, picking up uh, Eddie Royal, which was a uh, – he had a big year with Cutler on, uh, throwing to him. So, uh, we should see how he plays with uh, Eddie Royal. It'll be interesting to see that. That could be one of his uh, go-to receivers. Because yeah. Alshon Jeffrey might be getting a lot of double teams, and 
all depends how Kevin White develops. So you could open up the passing game. Well, that would be pretty interesting to take a look at here. Guess five says he thinks your Bears are a seven to nine football team. Well, how, and well, what's your prediction as far as wins go? Uh, I'm thinking maybe eight and eight. Eight and eight, not bad. It'll be a lot better yeah. than that train wreck you guys had at the end of last season. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Eight well. eight, yeah. Pretty should be much more better than the Raiders, of course. Oh, we had to go there. I'm okay. Since we pull, since we play in that game, I don't know. Somebody gonna break um, Jay Cutler in half October fourth. <laughs> hey, we'll be right. We'll be right here watching it. So yeah, you, you know, I ain't gonna be able to hide from you because we'll be watching that game right here, talking smack. Uh, it'll be fun to pay attention to. Yeah, the crazy part about this season is you got at least about twelve or thirteen uh, one p.m. Eastern games, which uh, is pretty strange. They only give us a couple uh, primetime games this year. The rest of them are usually are going to be at least one o'clock games. So, well, I mean, who wants to watch Chicago at night? I mean, look at the um, train wreck you guys put on television last season at Green Bay. Not for real. <laughs> yeah, two primetime games is a, probably a good idea this season. Yeah, but you guys got a good one at San Diego, though, so that ought to be that's a winnable type game. So it should be all right. It should be an easy one for us. Yeah. You got you got any um, um, predictions over there for Chicago wins, Jesse? Predictions? Oh man, uh, the Bears to me are as good as Jay Cutler and as good as their defense. So if Jay Cutler plays better this year, then they're they're a better team. Uh, you can't play much worse than he played last year. He wasn't good last year, and it's pretty clear. Uh, if I think they're a eight, eight and eight team or nine and seven, I think uh, their defense has to show improvement too, because that was definitely the weak point of their. Well, there's a couple weak points, but that was definitely one of their weakest points last year. And and they have to play good to beat teams like Green Bay for sure. Green Bay can score on anyone, and I think Green Bay is probably. If I were to make a Super Bowl prediction, probably the the team to beat this year, unfortunately for Bears fans. So, um, yeah, so that's my prediction on the Bears. Probably eight and eight, nine and seven, somewhere around that area. Well, we got to give it to Bears fan. He was actually pretty realistic though in their assessment, saying that he thinks. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, as far as yeah, I'm know what I'm saying is like as far as as long as Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback, most of the teams in the North are pretty much battling for wild cards. I know how annoying it is to, to have it be that way, but that's pretty much what you're looking at in the North. Just like us here in the West, we're pretty much looking up at Denver for at least the next season or two. So hopefully Peyton Manning just decides to say the hell with it or like he gets thrown on his neck or something and the division opens up. But I'm not a guy that wishes injury on folks. I think we should just go out there and take Denver um, just head up. But anyway, that was our Chicago Bears. I think Denver is going to have a rough year, rough year this season. They lost uh... – Couple of key pieces for that team, so I think they're well, gonna Darren, be rough I'm a, Well, I'm gonna say what I how, how I think. I, hopefully, that Demarius Thomas, his wallet is too heavy for him to carry, and he can't get open when they play Oakland. So that's what I'm kind of banking on this season. Losing Julius Thomas, I think, was a pretty rough loss there, and uh, I think just having Demarius Thomas. It's not enough, probably. I don't know. No, it's not enough. I mean, now you now you got another big question to deal with. Now that you can got paid, are you gonna be content, or are you gonna keep working hard? I mean, sure, having paid right. on your side kind of gives you a better chance towards the hard working. But I mean, Demarius this is his first time with that new money, so we'll see how how he shines coming come the season. And I have to agree with four. Fire and Fox was kind of stupid on their part, but Kubiak, I mean, he's a Denver Bronco through and through. I mean, the, the transition shouldn't be too bad, although Peyton does have to learn a new offense, which should at least cost Denver two or three wins. I don't know. Kubiak is not really uh, someone that uh, I get scared of facing, you know. Well, yeah, well, when he was Houston's coach, now he wasn't really scary to deal with. Actually, the Raiders' yeah. last road win was against a Gary Kubiak's coach team in Houston. So, hey, maybe we can find some more of that lightning in a bottle there. Right. 
And that was one of the underrated pickups for us was uh, Vic Fangio, defensive coordinator from the Niners. I think he should be more experienced. He'll be more uh, strict on our for our defense than what we had with uh, Mel Tucker. So we should be yeah, more improved in that end. The good thing about that is Vic Fangio, he has been around the game for quite a long time, and he's well-respected. So Chicago right. on defense, if they don't get their act together, he will have you riding the bench. So I think things right. are going to start to get a lot better out there on your defense. I just hope it does it on October 4th. I'm just, I'm just Tom, more, I'm more excited this season than I was going into that last season with uh, Mel Tucker as defensive coordinator and uh, Tressman. So... <laughs> These guys are crazy, man. <laughs> so you guys, I see you guys got um, Jimmy Butler to sign that Max deal here. Now you got the mayor, Fred Hoiberg, over there as the head coach for your Chicago Bulls. And Pal Gasol, I mean, the season he had last year, it just came out of nowhere, shocking even me. So I thought he was done when he left the Lakers. But he just came out with some craziness, man. So you think he, your boys are still happy? Change the scenery. Change the scenery is what I think you needed, really. Well, you may be right there. I mean, maybe he just got tired of being the scapegoat in L.A. So, I mean, Kobe Bryant yeah. always tried to defend him the best he could, but, I mean, when people uh, ride you every five minutes, yeah, it's probably just best to move on. So, Chicago's, right. Right. Chicago's game, that's all I can say. Yeah, Jimmy Butler, signing Jimmy Butler was huge. We couldn't afford to lose him. And uh, signing Dunleavy, too, who he, he had all our teams that were going after him hard. So signing those two guys was key. And uh, I wasn't too fond of re-signing Heinrich, really. He could have done better than re-signing Heinrich. I think he was just he's at the end of his career, what I think. But drafting Bobby, per- Bobby Portis was, was pretty good. You know, like, I think he should be should do good this season. I've seen watched a couple summer league games, and he did well there. So he should have a good a good team coming this season. Yeah, well, this summer league seems to be going a lot better than D'Angelo Russell's is going, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, so you guys still think you're a championship-caliber team over there in the East? You finally got um, Derrick Rose to play more than 50 games this season. Yeah. So hopefully he's behind his knee issues. I'm curious to see how Hoiberg does. Uh, he's never been a NBA coach, so I don't know if he'll be like another Steve Kerr that he comes up and wins a championship or he'll be a, a bust as a coach. I don't know. It's, it's a mystery this season coming up. So he's got the players that he can win with, but being a coach in college and being a coach in the NBA is two different things, you know. Yeah, and I know what you mean there. The only thing that you know, sucks about being the Chicago Bulls right now, you keep running into LeBron James-oriented teams. Yeah, that's kind of like how we, when we came up, when we were facing the Pistons, so I had to always fight and go through them, but eventually they did, so. Yeah, that's the thing. Once Chicago know. finally get past Cleveland, that may be the end of them, like, like how they killed off Detroit in the early 90s. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got LeBron, really, you can't say that you're facing LeBron because he's got two people that he has to depend on. He's got Kevin Love and he's got uh, Kyrie, so not really like we're just uh, facing LeBron by himself. He's got his two sidekicks like he did in, in Miami. Yeah, and that's going to be tough for anybody in the East to deal with. So, yeah. But if anybody can do it, it could be Chicago, you know. Then, I mean, Atlanta, they took a step back, so. Yeah, you're looking at Cleveland and Chicago again in the, in the in the East. I mean, Milwaukee may kind of take a little bit of a step up, but I still say it's still yeah. Chicago and Cleveland myself. Yes, hopefully they'll be both both teams will be healthy when they face off, so we can really be doing no uh, excuses, you know. Yeah, you don't want no excuses when you're playing. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, it was. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, it was kind of a nice experience. So. It was good it was to have you on. I thought we were going to talk about the Cubs a little bit here. 
ask you how you felt about Chris Bryant before we let you go. Cubs are doing Cubs are doing good. They're doing better than I expected, and uh, they're still maybe a year or two away from making some noise. But they got a good coach leading them, and they got prospects in the minors, and they just maybe have one or two pitchers away from uh, real, being real contenders. So. Yeah. Well, I'll say this much, Bears. If the Dodgers or the Angels don't get there, you know, I actually want the Cubs. Right now they got the second wild card spot in the NL. They got one game lead and just met the match. So if they could stay steady, they can make some noise. Yeah, yeah, they are pretty much right there. All right, guys. Well, thanks for having me on, and uh, you guys have a good night. All right, you too. Take care, man. Yep, bye. Jerome, your connection is terrible, my friend. Uh, <laughs> it's been cutting in and out all night. But are you uh, can there you right now? Me? Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can, hear you. I can hear you now. Uh, you've been cutting out quite a bit. but I'm about to throw this phone against some kind of uh, proverbial wall <laughs> if this continues. Yeah, it's been pretty bad tonight. <laughs> but anyways, it's fine. The show's gone on, and it's been good. Uh Thanks for Barrett's fan for coming on. He did a really good job and informative, and, and I appreciate him coming on as far as that goes. So, Jerome, we got eight minutes left. What are we gonna What are we gonna talk about for the remainder of the the show? Well, Josh, um, I'm really looking forward to this here weekend in baseball. It'll be good to have the game back. You know, I'm, I, I think I'm starting to turn into a degenerate a little bit myself. Because, you know, I'm, I'm having withdrawals because I haven't gambled on anything in four days. You know, it's crazy. So that's what I'm really looking forward to the most, getting baseball and NASCAR back, you know. Yeah, uh, it's going to be good. Uh, this is the – today is officially the worst day in sports history. There's none of the major sports in the U.S. are on TV. So <laughs> it's pretty bad. Um, it'll be good. Friday, baseball starts back up. There'll be a reason to go to DraftKings and – make some bets again and stuff like that. Trading oh, yeah. deadlines coming up. The trading deadlines coming up in baseball, that's the one exciting thing probably to talk about eventually. Uh, oh, yeah. Shows. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, I'll have to agree with you. Actually, that's the part of baseball where it actually gets really, really interesting. We're actually going to have C come on our, on our show here in a couple of weeks and actually break down the trades that we do get and give, give us like a first-half rundown and predictions for the second half. And you know how we had Z on last week, and we had a great time. It was so much fun. I got to have him on again. So we'll have Z on in a yeah. couple of weeks to break these things down for you guys. You know, hopefully, hopefully by then the Dodgers will have taken a couple of Padre players and things of that um, nature. Or Johnny Cueto could be one of our new pitchers by then. But that, that's another story. The rumors I've heard so far, uh, trade trade wise, is I've heard Ben Zobris to the Yankees or Mets. Uh, Todd Frazier rumored to the Mets. I don't think that one's happening. I think that's mostly talk. Uh, Quaid's going to get traded, I think. I don't know where. I would I would bet he's going to end up on a team like the Angels or or you know, Yankees are not, uh, definitely not a team you can rule out. But, yeah, I think Quaid, my prediction would be to the Angels. I, I've heard a lot about the Angels and them. Uh, what what I've, rumors have you heard baseball related? Well, I've heard that Houston, I've heard that Houston and the Dodgers are also interested in Cueto. So, I mean, you're gonna have yourself a huge problem in 2016. Say Cueto does get traded to the Dodgers, and they somehow find the money to give um, that Grinky just this gigantic mega deal that he's about to get next year. Then you you resign Cueto. You got the one, two, three. This is probably the best pitcher staff since the 90s Braves. If we can get Cueto, Kershaw, and Grinky together, wow, teams better watch out for that. So, Houston, you better get a move on because if the Dodgers get Cueto and can find some way to resign Grinky, it's over in 16. Houston's an interesting team, though. If they get a pitcher like Cueto, they've got a pretty good stack. I'm starting uh, pitching stuff, too, with Keuchel. Uh, McHugh hasn't been pitching as good as he started out in the year. Cueto, adding him to the – would be good. And then there's that guy, what's his name? Uh, uh, 
God, what's uh, never mind. I can't remember. My brain's not working. They have a younger guy on the Houston staff that's been per- pitching pretty good too. So we'll see. Uh, and your Dodgers, if they had somebody like Cueto, if they don't win the World Series, this season will be a waste. That's my opinion. Because <laughs> you can't have guys like, yeah, McCullers, that's the guy I was thinking of who's been pitching pretty good. Um, but if the, your Dodgers add Cueto and don't win the World Series, this, it would be a waste, I think. I don't know what your opinion on that is. Oh, yeah, I totally agree it's a waste. Just like I totally agree that the Atlanta Braves in the 1990s, they were a complete waste. They had all that pitching. They got to all those World Series and won those division titles and couldn't do jack. All he ended up with one championship, that's a complete disappointment. It's almost like you didn't win anything. And Kershaw, he's going to have to get over whatever's ailing him in the postseason because this is ridiculous. It's really cost us big time in the last couple of years in the playoffs. So if he can get that together, we just might be all right. You, you got to give Kershaw a little credit, though. He he hasn't got run support this year or in the playoffs, really, either. Um, yeah, but he hasn't pitched his best either. So it is a little bit his fault, but he definitely isn't getting the run support either. So uh, the Dodgers need to do him a little bit of help this year, too. So that's my opinion on that. Well, you're right. It's not fair to completely blame him, I mean. But in game one last year against St. Louis, he did blow that 6-1 to one lead. So, yeah, I'm going to have to go on and put that on him. But yeah, more offense does help all pitchers, though. So you're right about that. And before we let you go here, Josh, who do you think who do you think should have a good shot at winning this here Heisman Trophy here? I see we got the um, eyes up here for Bavada and Trayvon Boykin leads the way. But seriously, though, who do you think should have a decent shot at this one? Good. Uh, this is yeah. Um, well, <laughs> you know, sleeper guy for me, and this is a homer pick, but. I'm telling you, if Oklahoma State's good this year, Mason Rudolph's going to be the, one of the Heisman guys. But overall, Boykin's definitely definitely one of the favorites. Ezekiel Elliott, running back from Ohio State. Uh, you can't roll up Baxton Miller for sure. Prescott from Mississippi State. I don't know how good Mississippi State's going to be again this year. But he's a guy that could win it. Um, there's uh, Bavada has Nick Chubb from Georgia at ten to one. I don't know much about him, so I really I couldn't I couldn't say if he's in it. And then they have Jeremy Johnson, QB for Auburn at ten to one to win the Heisman. Who who's your sleeper for the Heisman, and who's who's your favorite for the for the Heisman, Jerome? Well, my favorite is going to have to be Ezekiel Elliott, probably like almost everybody else. But if I'm going to go with a sleeper, it would probably have to be one of these SEC running backs here, either Nick Chubb, Leonard Fournette, or Derrick Henry. Pretty much whoever can get to that SEC championship game and dominate that game and whoever gets the most yards, I mean, they'll, they'll have a serious shot at it because, I mean, you got the most yards in the best conference in football. And I'd like to see Cardell Jones actually win that job at Ohio State. I think if he does be able to take that away from Braxton Miller, he may be the guy that could be right there knocking on that Heisman door also. So. But if, I, if you put a gun in my head and said right now who's going to win the Heisman, I'll go ahead and say Ezekiel Elliott, though, from Ohio State. The, yeah, I, I like this pick. There's one other guy that I would, and I, I hate to say it, because <laughs> I hate OU, but Samajai Pirai, that guy could have a huge year, and he could win the Heisman, too. He, he's 20-1. In fact, if I were to put money down, he might be the guy I'd put money on to win the Heisman this year, because I was impressed by him. Granted, he... He had good games against bad teams, but he was amazing against Kansas where he broke the NCAA record for rushing in one game. What about Paul Perkins from UCLA? You're you're running back. That guy, he's talented. He could, you know, he's a guy that could win it too. I mean, well, granted, UCLA, UCLA would need to be a, a pretty much like a, a one-loss team, I think, for him to win it. But he's definitely he got talent. Well, the good thing about Paul Perkins is – UCLA is going to potentially start a true freshman starting quarterback to start the season, meaning that they're going to probably want to take a lot of pressure off of the kid, Josh Rosen, meaning that Perkins will get lots of opportunities to tote the rock. So if he can get get a lot of early head of steam, say he rushed for about 400, 500 yards before the Pac-12 season starts, then, hey, UCLA win a lot of games, 19 games, he'll be right there. So actually Paul Perkins does have about as good a chance as anybody to be a dark horse in the high school. So good, good call there, yeah. Josh. Thank you, sir. Well, it was a good show, Jerome. Uh, You did a good job hosting, as always. 
Uh, thanks, for Barris, for coming on. Uh, go ahead and put it into the show, Jerome. <laughs> no. Thanks, Barris, fans, for coming on, locking up that, knocking down that Chicago um, science for us. We learned a lot tonight. We laughed a lot. We had ourselves a good old time. We're going to get together. We'll do it again next week, you know. We'll have another guest on. He'll drop that science on us. We'll laugh a bit. We'll have some college football, and we'll pretty much have some fun like we always do, fighting that West Coast bias one show at a time. And for myself, this is Josh, he's Josh Matson. I'm Jerome Butler, a.k.a. Raider Rome. This has been the NGSC West Recess. We hope you all enjoyed. Make it a date next Wednesday night at 8 p.m. We love you, America. See you next week. Go on. Good night. <laughs>